Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Football is back, and so is Cash the Ticket. Jim Costa with Mike Valeni every week this fall. That's picks, parlays, and that's sweet, sweet value. Cactus included on all the NFL and college football matchups. Full breakdowns on the biggest games, but if you have a life, you don't have 45 minutes to spare, we've got you. We're the most on-demand podcast. We're catered to you and the teams you love. That's Cash the Ticket. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10-5 victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. Star. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Your radio flagship home, the Dallas Cowboys, joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. He is also the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network. He is the uh, the, the crawfish godfather to David Hellman. Um, what, what other titles can I throw your way? You're the co-host of the draft show, the godfather of the draft show. We can just we can heap all of them on there. Uh, Brian, how you doing? I'm doing well, and that is the voice of Bobby Belt uh, on 105.3 The Fan. He's a Cowboys insider, uh, does a great job out there at the Star, uh, traveling with the team, being with the team, getting all the information for the team. He's also on 5.30 in the morning till 10 a.m. with uh, Sean and RJ and Bobby on 105.3 The Fan. Robert, uh, yes, you and I have a lot of jobs. You and I have a lot of jobs, and we also have this podcast, Love the Star, and then Bobby's also on the draft show. So again, we're uh, we're all pedaling real fast right now. So Brian, we've got uh, some movement here with the Cowboys and free agency. A lot of different things to talk about. Uh, let's talk about the acquisitions that have been made, uh, and including the trades. The the biggest news, of course. Uh, as we, at the time that we record this podcast, with free agency set to begin tomorrow, the official start of free agency, is that the Cowboys have a brand new starting cornerback in five-time Pro Bowler Stefan Gilmore, who they traded a fifth-round pick for to the Indianapolis Colts. He will be 33 this season. There are injuries starting to pile up, but this is still a very good football player. Um, this is a guy that, if you're asking me, you know, Patrick Peterson just signed with Pittsburgh this week. If you're asking me, Who's a better football player right now, Patrick Peterson or Stephon Gilmore? I'm not even hesitating in telling you it's Stephon Gilmore. 
but Brian, your your thoughts on the trade, and uh, you know, obviously, you're gonna do some film diving, I would guess, here in the next day or so. But but your initial reaction to the trade? Yeah, I was uh, I was impressed that the Cowboys were able to make a deal like this, and you know, good job of using the compensatory five that they picked up in order to make this happen. You know, that's the things you got to do uh, when you're when you're working on these deals. You got to find ways to take those assets and be able to move them, whether you're in the draft or maybe in, uh, you know, in this time period where somebody is looking to move on from a player. And so I I fully applaud what they did here. Um, I think there's a couple of factors. Uh, Gilmore had an interception against the Cowboys in a game in early December. Five targets his way, two receptions uh, overall. He's right about a 50% completion guy uh, against him. The numbers, I'm not a huge metrics guy, but I have a feeling that the Cowboys did their due diligence on this one, evaluating the player, the opportunity to grab the player. I know Jerry Jones has a tremendous friendship with Bill Belichick. I guarantee you that Jerry Jones got on the phone and had a discussion with uh, Bill about the player and what the player could bring uh, to the Cowboys, not only with the scouting reports they had from the Colts and maybe Carolina and the, and the Patriots, but then you also get that, that verbal confirmation from a Bill Belichick saying, hey, listen, this guy can do this and this and this. And, uh, you know, I applaud him. The, the money for them is right. The compensation is right. And it – kind of protects you even though this is a really really deep corner draft maybe at 26 you don't have to go tag that corner right now you can focus on another area and uh but because corner clearly was one that they're looking at right now and so i don't think it precludes them from drafting a corner i just don't know if they're going to go for a corner now at 26 but i i applaud the move for using their their assets as trade pieces uh, their their picks to go get veteran players that could definitely still play at a high level. When you look at the the move itself, is this do you think any sort of an indictment on Kelvin Joseph? Yes, specifically. Like like, do yes. you think part of what it is is, man, I wish we could trust this guy. Yes. I yes, absolutely. And go, go ahead, finish out your thought because you asked the question. I know you have an idea of what you just asked that you you want to. I'll give you a chance to expand your thoughts on this. I yeah, I just I look at this and I say that if, if I, I think if the Cowboys could go back and do everything over again, and I think if you would have asked them two months after the pick, if you can go back and do everything over again, do you pick Kelvin Joseph? I think they say no, even before he steps on the field, because I think they have an idea he's not a professional. He's he's somebody who, when when he stepped out there, you, you can talk to a lot of people in that building, and they will tell you, that's just a guy they don't trust off the field. That's a guy they don't trust on the field. They feel like as soon as he's out there on the field, teams are looking for him, and and the, and that teams are going to try and pick on him. Teams are going to try and take advantage of him, and they've been able to. It's not a, an attempt to do it. They've been able to take advantage of him and pick on him, and it's just frustrating when you look at a guy who was, you know, what the forty first pick in the draft or whatever he was. Um, that's a guy that you expect to come in, especially with red flags. He was a first-round talent. You know, you, you'd put up with some of the off-the-field stuff if you actually got performance on the football field from him, and they get nothing. 
And now they're at a point where they have to make a trade to acquire another corner. They can't just trust that, hey, he's going to step up and make a contribution here. And you're, you're left having to trade for who's Stefan Gilmore is a good player and you're happy to have him. But it's a deal that I don't think should have needed to be made if Kelvin Joseph is just, you know, half the reliable player they thought he could be. I think it also might be a little bit of an indictment of Anthony Brown, you know, and I, I, I am, uh, I am one of those guys and I'm, I'll always admit when I'm wrong, I, I just think it's, it's a trait you have to have in your life. You don't want to be wrong all the time, but I felt like there were a couple of guys, Dortz Armstrong, and then also Anthony Brown were going to have those breakout kind of seasons. I felt like that Anthony Brown opposite Diggs, was going to have everything that Deron Bland did, I thought Anthony Brown was going to do. That's the kind of year I thought Anthony Brown was going to was going to have. But now, you know, you look at the situation, Bland got better. Bland very well could be putting Jordan Lewis on the street. You know, you look at, you know, that there could be a complete remake of this. Okay, now to get back to Kelvin Joseph, the thing about Kelvin Joseph is they did a lot of work on him. I mean, a lot of work. Dan Quinn, uh, Will McClay, Mike McCarthy going to Lexington, Kentucky, doing the workout. You know, guys, I talked to myself at LSU will tell you, hey, you know, good kid. Trouble is always at arm's length. We learned that a little bit about him as a player. But, you know, this was a guy that did not play in a lot of games. He just didn't. His career was very short when you start to talk about his experience, very, very talented guy. What was encouraging to me was that he was able to thrive in the situation as a, uh, as a special teamer, you know, maybe a little, a little less pressure on him, but man, he just couldn't stay healthy enough. Uh, things would happen along the way. The off season wasn't a very good situation for him. So yeah, uh, I, I could absolutely see, the, the fact of development of Bland, the, the the signing of Gilmore, and then also the adding potentially of a draft pick, uh, say in rounds one, two, or three, uh, that could make a difference at cornerback. Uh, uh, it is a little bit disappointing, though, uh, with Kelvin Joseph. I'm sure he's going to get one more chance here uh, to see uh, if he can kind of pull things together. But – I think he's at the the very, very end of his rope right now with the team. One uh, player in the secondary who they drafted, they they developed and had success with, and somebody that they are retaining is Donovan Wilson, who signs a three-year deal up to $24 million. So when I was in Indianapolis and you kind of heard the chatter about what was going on, what I had heard was Donovan Wilson wanted eight, the Cowboys wanted to pay him four. Uh, it looks like this is essentially a two-year, $7 million deal, uh, $7 million per season, but with escalators and potentially a third year it could become eight. But ultimately, I, I think given the terms of the deal and what I had heard, and I mean, I know you and I talked about this off the air. I told you what it sounded like he was looking for. This right. sounds like Donovan Wilson won the negotiation with them. Well, what happened, I think, Bobby, is that there was such a desire from not only – I, I think this is driven by two people. I think this is driven by Mike McCarthy, and I think this one's driven by Dan Quinn. And I I, I know what you're saying. I think you're absolutely right uh, as far as what the Cowboys were willing to offer. 
I know that I was talking to you while we were at baseball in Arizona. You were at the combine. You're calling me up and you're saying, Brian, this thing ain't close. This is not close. And I, I have a feeling instead of letting Donovan Wilson walk, the Cowboys, Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, Ada Pacifica, did the coaching staff a huge favor and, and pushed, pushed the envelope a little further to where they got this deal done. They, they probably were dug in on what they wanted to pay, but when you had a coaching staff that was adamant about having, I, I know there's there were those whispers coming out of, you know, with Mike McCarthy that were coming out of Indianapolis. We we've got to have Donovan Wilson back. We've got to have him back. I think the front office said, "Okay, Mike, we see what you're talking about here. We're going to make this happen," and they did. The other name that they brought back, another one that I think they similarly wanted to fight for, was Leighton Vanderesh. Uh, he's going to be coming back on what amounts to a two-year, $11 million deal. Uh, I think he was probably looking in the range of 7 to $8 million, so Cowboys get a little bit of a discount here. Uh, there are reports out there from Jane Slater, the Steelers, the Texans, both of them were making hard pushes here. Uh, but the Cowboys end up bringing back Leighton Vanders, who I think is a really important piece for them and the stability of their defense and – and somebody who makes sure that everybody else is doing their jobs. I know people get frustrated with the injuries with him, some of the the troubles he's had. He hasn't been, you know, played at his very best in a couple different seasons. But I think in terms of high IQ, understanding everybody's responsibilities, it was absolutely critical that they would bring Leighton Vanderesh back. No, you're absolutely right about that. And you know, with Leighton Vanderesh, we saw what happened with Anthony Barr and Clark and Cox, and you know, they really. You know, the couple of games that he was out, it was a little bit of a struggle for the defense to have to deal, uh, you know, with with his loss. I I I know, Bobby, you and I have talked about this, too. I don't remember we talked about it on the last podcast, but the the pecking order to me appeared to be Wilson, Vanderesh, and then Bobby Wagner. So if they got wiped out on those first two guys – then they were going to go after Bobby Wagner. And now I feel like that Bobby Wagner could be wrong. This sounds like to me they're out on that deal. Again, could be wrong. You don't know Dan Quinn. Uh, they're riding a little bit of a heater right now. Maybe Dan Quinn can talk Bobby Wagner into coming with the Cowboys and, and playing. I think Bobby Wagner's looking for something a little bit more stable than maybe a one-year deal or something like that. But uh, – I, I would say it's a really successful day for the Cowboys. Day two, which usually the Cowboys are not a player in day two. And the fact that they signed really two key defensive players and added a third, I, I will say that they, 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 the front office coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for what they were able to pull off. We're also hearing that they're interested or there have been various reports out there from Josina Anderson. I've, I've heard some similar chatter that they are targeting trying to make something happen with Dante Fowler as well, uh, make something happen to bring him back to the team. Uh, before obviously knowing the terms of that, but if that's the way that's headed, are, are you in favor of a return for Dante Fowler, who I think was a fairly efficient pass rusher for them? There, there were some times where – he wasn't great, but I mean, I think for the value of what you invested and what you'll probably invest for another year, he's worth it. Yeah, I think any time that 
uh, that you get the opportunity for these defensive linemen to work with AD and then also get to work with Dan Quinn. I count me in. Count me in as, you know, if you want to bring some defensive linemen back, it, you know, to me, uh, I, I just, you know, I, I look at Hankins, you know, that, that whole situation. Uh, you know, if there's some way you can one year deal that thing to make it worthwhile uh, or to make it fair for him and for you, uh, I, I just feel like any one of these defensive linemen that you put out there, those coaches are going to get the absolute best out of them. So, you know, if, if you can, if you sure can make that happen, then uh, I'm all for it. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast, the Love of the Stars and Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, before we go any further, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at Love the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. We've been telling you guys about Boomer Jacks for several months now, and so many of you guys have let us know on social media how much you've been enjoying it, uh, hanging out there, watching games, and uh, getting drink specials. And on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, how you guys have been going for the great wing deals. On Tuesdays, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. There are great deals for you the rest of the week as well, though. It's not just about the wings. They also have the coldest beer anywhere around. Drink specials beginning at $3, $15 buckets of beer. It's just a wonderful atmosphere for whatever you're looking for. Somewhere to go watch the games, go check out Boomer Jacks. You're looking for dinner with family, Boomer Jacks is the spot. Uh, you know, if you're just looking for somewhere to have happy hour with friends, catch up with coworkers, whatever, Boomer Jacks has you covered. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, let's talk about moves still to be made and also some moves that, that the Cowboys are, are now missing some guys. Uh, they did lose a couple guys to free agency. We'll run through those really quickly. Uh, Luke Gifford, the linebacker for the Cowboys, the special teams ace, he is off to Tennessee. I think that was somebody the Cowboys would have liked to have retained. That's somebody who I think they believe could have been a, a legitimate rotational player at linebacker, not just special teams any longer. Um but somebody that, you know, was a was a special teams ace for them and, and a team that's not known, especially since Bones Fossil got here, for letting the guys they really like on special teams get away. So kind of surprising me Luke Gifford isn't back. Yeah, I think with Luke Gifford, it was there were they were very much on board with Luke Gifford, but you know, we saw him get some snaps defensively, you know, when uh Vanderesh was uh, injured. And they were, you know, and they really weren't getting exactly everything they wanted out of Clark. They couldn't rely on Cox, you know, to to make that happen. So 
I, I felt like that Luke Gifford was continue to get more opportunity, but where this affects the Cowboys, and I, I think you're going to also bring up Noah Brown. Uh, so, you know, when you start to talk about Noah Brown being gone, Luke Gifford being gone, those are two pretty significant guys that were part of your special team. We'll see what happens. You know, we'll see what happens if they can, in fact, you know, CJ Goodwin, uh, that that's the situation. And then, you know, they got two deep snappers that are also on the list. I kind of felt like the first signing that we would see in the typical Cowboy fashion would be Jake McQuaid. You know, he, the yeah. deep snapper comes back, but you know, they've got some guys with Brett Maher, Jake McQuaid, Matt Overton, uh, CJ Goodwin, their special teams unit is kind of struggling a little bit right now uh, to try and, uh, to try and kind of uh, get that to where it was, uh, you know, at times was very good last year. Uh, do you think this puts even more of an emphasis on day three guys that you pick are going to have to be special teams aces? Like, do you think Bones Fossil is going to have a big voice in the room? He always does, but an even bigger voice in the room potentially on day three, knowing, hey, we lost Noah Brown, we lost Luke Gifford, we're, we're losing some of our big special teams guys. Yeah, I, I do. I think this is where the special teams coach, when you get down into the third day of the draft and say whether you've got those extra, those compensatory picks, you got extra sixth round pick, maybe an extra seventh round pick, you're looking at those and you're looking at those and saying, okay, who are the guys we don't want to fight for in free agency? You know, Dallas does a good job at that second draft. Chris Hall does a really good job of keeping the board intact. So they're able to go after those guys they still have on the draft board. But then Bones Fossil is going to put stars on guys that are tags on those guys, stars on the tags, where they're like, this guy is really, really good at covering. This guy is a really good returner. I mean, you've got it like a Devin Harper and some guys like that. You know, uh, those are the guys, you know, we'll see. We'll see with Marquise Bell and, and stuff like that. Will those guys take over? You know, Kelvin Joseph was the guy we mentioned last, uh, this earlier here. But there's some guys that are going to have to step up. But I guarantee you there could be two or three guys on that board that they have there that have a special teams background to them, uh, whether they block kicks, uh, you know, that kind of thing. The returners, those guys will definitely get noticed. Cowboys also lose Noah Brown to the Houston Texans, uh, a one-year deal for Noah for $2.6 million. Like we referenced there, he's a big special teams guy for them, somebody who contributed in the passing game some, obviously had the the play in Jacksonville that a lot of people aren't going to forget where the ball bounces yeah. off his chest. Um, but looking at the, the Noah Brown move, any surprise to you there that they didn't uh, do something to keep him here? Or do you think he also – maybe they would have had a role in mind for him and it's not the role that Noah Brown felt he had earned anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's where I think it is, Bobby. I, I think Noah Brown, this was like what his first fourth contract that he's gotten, you know, already. I mean, my man lives. Fourth on those deal. One, yeah. My man lives on those one year deals. I, I kind of feel like that Noah Brown, you know, he's looking around. He, he was excellent uh, early in the season. He won you the Cincinnati game the way he played in that. Uh, but yeah. you're right. What do we remember Noah Brown for? We don't remember him for making all those plays 
those clutch catches in the in the Cincinnati game. We just remember the Jacksonville game. He was a personal protector on the punt team. You know, he's a guy on kickoff coverage. You know, he was a guy that really kind of did a lot of things for you. I just felt like that he probably looked around and said, I don't want to sign another million-dollar contract just to hang out and be a special teams guy with the Cowboys. I would rather go make an extra million dollars, go to a place, still stay in the state of Texas, but maybe find a way to get more of a full-time role like he did uh, this season. Yeah, and I mean, I look, I mean, Noah Brown is is not like an elite receiver, but he's a does-his-job kind of guy, and I would imagine that'd be intriguing, especially to a team like Houston that says, hey, we're about to add a rookie quarterback in here. It'd be nice to have somebody who just does their job and knows where to be and is complete. And so there, there was probably a sell of like, hey, you're going to have some opportunities to really help us make our quarterback feel comfortable when we add one here. And I, I'm sure that that was a, a big push for Noah Brown that he liked. The other name that they've lost is Connor McGovern. He goes to the Buffalo Bills, three years, $22 million. I don't know about you, Brian. At three years, $22 million, I probably would have been in on that. I, that's one where I, I don't love that, but I also know that it sure seems like this team is building towards a left side of the offensive line with the Smith brothers. It's going to be Tyron and Tyler. Yeah, the law firm of Smith and Smith are uh, that left side. I mean, if they had moved on from Tyron Smith, then I would have said, okay, now the you need to think about going to get McGovern. I think the thing about McGovern that's interesting is that he showed the ability to play guard at a pretty decent level, but also play some center as yeah. well. So, you know, um, but it looks like to me, like I say, the law firm of Smith and Smith are going to be on that left side. And, uh, you know, they've got to, they've got to kind of figure some things out. I know there were a lot of mock drafts that had the Cowboys, uh, you know, interested in, in in some guards. I don't think it's a necessarily a very deep uh, draft when it comes to guards. Uh, you know, Torrance from, um, you know, Torrance from Florida, yep. uh, Avia from uh, TCU, uh, you know, are guys that you're kind of looking at right now uh, that, you know, it's just kind of a, depending there might be some centers uh, John Michael Smiths from Minnesota might be. And I, I, I think I think this team does think John Michael Smiths could play guard if needed. That's what that's what I'm saying. He's I think he's a really good center, too. So, you know, that's kind of where I think the Cowboys are looking at this right now. And, you know, they they were are they are they in the are they in the business of grabbing a guard? I don't think they're necessarily in the business of it right now, especially with what they're dealing with with Tyron Smith, I, I think that I think that Tyler Smith is probably going to play left guard for you, and we'll see if they add, you know, if, if they look at the draft and you know add one of these guys that can play center and play guard. I mentioned I'll mention another guy, uh, Bradford from LSU. You know, Torrance, Avia, Bradford. These are like big, bulky guys. So, you know, maybe if they add a guy like that, it, I think it would have to be Torrance and Avia probably go a lot earlier, but then Bradford's probably more of a fourth-round guy with McClendon, McFadden. Those are the guys you're talking about as fourth round for guards as well. Now, let's say it's not through the draft. Uh, Michael Gelkin from the Dallas Morning News said, don't rule out 
uh, Tyler Smith staying at left tackle. If that's the case, uh, who would be the left guard? Is that Farniak? Man, it's uh, it's with, with, really with, Ty, with Tyron as a swing guy, I guess. I'll tell you what, man. That that would be I, Farniak would make a lot of sense just because he did it before. If we remember the Tampa game uh, in Week One, uh, they had an injury uh, to McGovern. And Matt Farniak went in the game very early at left guard, uh, you know. So I kind of have a feeling uh, that's the the route that they would would probably go. One more question here, just before we transition over to the the mailbag. These are the guys they've lost. We've talked about the guys they've already acquired. They still need to, to add to offense. They they haven't added anybody to the offense yet. There haven't been any moves there. Let's quickly talk about two guys, Odell Beckham Jr. and DeAndre Hopkins. Brian, have you cooled any on the prospects of Odell Beckham, or do you think this team has? And do you think that they they have the gumption to say, all right, we, we went and made a move for Stephon Gilmore, now let's go make a move for DeAndre Hopkins? Do you think they're in that mode I, think we can do this? I would love for them to go move, make a move for Hopkins. I know you and I and – uh, others on the G Bag Nation uh, today on your on your uh, segment had a discussion about Hopkins. Would you rather go and draft a guy? Do you want to give up compensation of maybe a second round pick uh, in order to go get Hopkins, or would you rather draft a guy in the second round? I think that's a fair debate uh, right now. Uh, you know, would, would, you, would he help? Would Hopkins help you now? Absolutely. Will Hopkins help you three, four years from now? I think that's debatable as well. Uh, and maybe the the younger guy, maybe that'll allow you to grow uh, a Jalen Tolbert. You know, maybe he maybe he gets some some development for you. Simi Fahoko, I, I know I'm throwing names out there of guys that you know potentially could be a guys that could develop. I, they love Dennis Houston. Uh, last year, you know, with what he was able to do. Uh, but yeah, I, I, me personally, I throw a second round pick because the problem I have, Bobby, is the more that I dig in to these wide receivers, especially in the second round, I, I have questions, man. I have some serious questions about, uh, about length. I have a, a questions about size. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's something that I don't have a great handle on the flowers of the world, the you know, from Boston College, Scott from Cincinnati, Downs from North Carolina. These are all like probably second round guys, maybe some first round guys, according to uh, who's ahead of you. But the size, the lack of, you know, maybe it's something that uh, if you go draft one of those guys. That they turn into a great player. I, I, you know, I could be very, very wrong, but man, it, it's just a little bit of a scary proposition of the unknown uh, of these of this wide receivers. I don't have as great a feel about them as I have the previous three years about this wide receiver class. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, before we go any further, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at Love the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. We've been telling you guys about Boomer Jacks for several months now, and so many of you guys have let us know on social media how much you've been enjoying it, uh, hanging out there, watching games, and uh, getting drink specials. And on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, how you guys have been going for the great wing deals. On Tuesdays, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. There are great deals for you the rest of the week as well, though. It's not just about the wings. They also have the coldest beer anywhere around. Drink specials beginning at $3, $15 buckets of beer. It's just a wonderful atmosphere for whatever you're looking for. Somewhere to go watch the games, go check out Boomer Jacks. You're looking for dinner with family, Boomer Jacks is the spot. Uh, you know, if you're just looking for somewhere to have happy hour with friends, catch up with coworkers, whatever, Boomer Jacks has you covered. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, it is now time for the Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag. And, uh, you know, we haven't gotten a question in from old Dean Julia in a while. So let's go. I'm going to throw one in. Uh, Dean is asking, do you think the front office can trust uh, Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot combo for 23-24? Or would they have to draft a guy early or sign a veteran? I thought Ferguson showed some nice athleticism and playmaking. That could be a spot to save some money and develop. So, Brian... Can you trust though that duo to be your primary group, or do you think the Cowboys are saying uh, it'd be best if we supplement with another contributor there? I'm going to ask you a question here. I want to hear your answer on this. And mm-hmm. I, I I asked this to the guys I work with on uh, the G Bag Nation today. Is there any possibility that Dalton Schultz would come back on a one year deal? Man, I don't think so. I think there. I mean, is is the market is the market. Or is he just the type of guy that's like, I'm not coming back with hat in hand and playing for $4 million when I played for, you know, $11 million? I think it's that because I think he also would feel like, man, if I don't have a market, it's because you tagged me and you took me away from a market where I could have made money last year. Sure. And I think that there would be some resentment there. Uh, And and maybe, you know, maybe – that's fair because uh, for him, he probably looks at it as like, I should have been out there. You had no intention of keeping me long-term. You should have let me free to, to explore the market yeah. and, and find a deal. Instead, you you tagged me and then you limited how much I was used for a lot of the year. Uh, so I could see some bitterness there. But no, I, I think that you're probably done there. If you're done with Schultz, though, do you think it's possible, you know, if, if I were to go look at the free agent list of tight ends right now, Brian, uh, you've got a, a guy like Blake Bell. Blake Bell's out there, for instance. He's, he's been – Blake Bell's already been here, right? Yeah, Blake Bell, he's been Blake, here yeah. before. Blake yeah. Bell. Let's let's say you go get Blake Bell and draft somebody somewhere. I feel like the Cowboy thing to do would be add some cheap veteran that they think maybe could boom and then go draft somebody. That would be my guess as to how they, they address that position. And then you roll in there next year with Ferguson, Hendershot, a veteran, and a rookie, and that's the group. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I I don't know. I would be really interested if who the would the best player on their board be a tight end. That's that's the only I know that you and uh Zach Wolchuk and Aisha Morrison, we had this discussion uh last Thursday on the draft show. And you know, we we ended up, you know, we ended up drafting uh, the Utah tight end Kincaid is yep. what we, we were talking about. And so I wonder if they would go ahead and say drafting Kincaid at 26 
would be better than any wide receiver or any corner that's on that board. And so um, I still think tight ends in play. I do at 26. It's just such a it's such a position that you can hit a home run on and just yep. be such a weapon. So Kincaid and Ferguson and Hendershot, I mean, that that's like three guys that get up the field, catch the ball, run after catch, positional nightmares for defensive coordinators to have to deal with. So I, I'm still open to taking the Kincaid, the Musgraves, guys like that. Hell, I, I would even consider Washington from Georgia. Just because – just Darnell Washington, just because he is a – he's huge. And now all of a sudden you have this big athletic blocker to go along with two guys that are just really good athletes too. So if you want to run the ball, you can run it behind Washington on that side with uh, with uh, Washington, and you also you know you got uh, you got your guy Steele and Martin. You know you've got now you've got power over there. You know now you got some power over there, and I I wouldn't be opposed to I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. But I do love me some Kincaid. I do love Mayor. Uh, from Notre Dame. I, I think he's a really good player too. Next question here uh, from Stacy on Twitter. Uh, she says, any updates or ideas on what may happen with Zeke, assuming a restructured uh, pay cut is forthcoming with the way the running back is right now? I still think Ezekiel Elliott's out of here. The one caveat I'll give there is if Ezekiel Elliott gets the sense or his representatives, Rocky Arsenault, uh, get the sense that his market isn't going to be any better than what pay cut Dallas will ask him to take. That's the one way I could see him returning here is if Zeke goes, I'm not making more than two to three million on the open market anyway. Might as well take two to three million from the Cowboys, made some money here already, and and just ride it out here. But ultimately, I would still lean towards he's out of here, but I don't think the Cowboys are necessarily in a hurry to make a decision. I don't think they're in a hurry, but I'm going to be real, real, real honest. I usually am on this program. The The way the market looks right now, the Tony Pollard franchise tag looks bad. Yep. And I I know I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or anything, and maybe, it, maybe the running back market will pick up. It just looks really, really soft right now. I think people are looking at this draft. They're seeing like the quality from the first round all the way through like the fifth round on these backs. I I would have gambled on Tony Pollard. I would have gambled with an injury, and I would have said, "Hit the market, see what you can get. If you don't get your, if you don't get what you want, you can come back." It's the same thing you just said for Zeke. You know, it's the same thing. Now Tony Pollard healthy. Might be a different story. Yeah. Tony Pollard hurt. I think I would have gambled on that one. I think I would have gambled that no one out there is going to sign Tony Pollard. And just like no one's likely to sign Zeke. I I I'm I I do think Zeke comes back, but I think it's for a very, 
very reduced contract. Yeah, I don't think he's in a very strong negotiating position. They'll either say, we will post June 1, you and take the money, or you will give us a $10 million savings or whatever it would be. Yeah. So he's going to have to get close to the savings they would get from cutting him in order for him. Right. Absolutely. Question here from Trey Davis. Will the Cowboys sign another quarterback to upgrade the backup quarterback position? So there's already been some backup quarterback deals to fall. Uh, I'm going to read off some of those really quickly. Uh, Taylor Heineke going to Atlanta two years, 14 million. That's 7 million a year. Uh, You got Andy Dalton, two for 10. Uh, Jarrett Stidham, two for 10. Mike White goes two for eight. That's four million annually. Case Keenum got a two-year deal, a little over three million annually. You got to imagine Cooper Rush is somewhere in the five to seven range. Uh, I would guess well, just some of the deals we've seen. Are yeah. you? Say, I do. I want to pay that for Cooper Rush, or would I rather go find another Cooper Rush? I don't know if they find a veteran. I think they draft a quarterback this year, and it's Greer, rookie, and Dak. Yeah, I I don't disagree because I felt like that the Chargers would be in on this deal because of Kellen Moore. But I got some word this morning that the Chargers are not interested in Cooper Rush unless something further down the road happens where they need a guy. But I, I don't think – I don't really see the market yet for Cooper Rush. So maybe Dallas is going to get off the, this one in in, in a good, uh, in good fashion too because I thought the Chargers were a team – that we're going to be heavily involved in this one. And I'm hearing they're not. So that makes me feel like that. Okay. I'll let Cooper rush. I'll get through this week, maybe get through a next week and then kind of circle back with Cooper rush and see where he's at. Yeah. And I mean, I think when you look at the free agent market, not a lot of guys uh, make a ton of sense back behind Cooper Rush. Some of the names that are out there, Gardner Minshew, Trace McSorley, Jeff Driscoll, Brett Rippon, uh, Nathan Peterman, Nate Sudfeld, uh, just some of the names that are out there. I, I think at this point, you'd probably be better off just trying to, to hit a lottery ticket in the draft. Uh, that does it for us here on the Love of the Star podcast. We'll be back with you guys again later this week, hopefully with some more developments, hopefully with some offensive acquisitions for us to talk about, uh, as well as some additional draft names. We're getting uh, closer and closer, uh, a little under six weeks out from the NFL draft. Until next time, Brian and I will talk to you guys later.